So I guess this is, this is where I say the uh, thing where I am not David Mathis. So uh, anyway, uh, my name's John. I'm actually the worship pastor here at Hope Church. And uh, so I'll, I'll be leading us today in, in, in the Word. Um, anyway, it's just I'm, I'm so happy that we do have times of rest. I, I'm so happy that the, uh, David uh, is a very, very hard worker. He works hard for you. He prays for you. Um, I love our pastor. I love our pastor because he has a heart for you. He uh, uh, lifts you up in prayer. He, he, he counsels us. He meets with us. He's, he's very approachable. And uh, he and his family are just a, a blessing to Hope Church. And also, too, uh, with Mike and Kendra, uh, Kendra that I tease are refugees from California, uh, that they have came and just uh, so wholeheartedly plugged into the church. And I'm praying that they get a time of rest, too. So, uh, so this week, I'll, I'll be leading in the service. Next week, my buddy John Forsyth uh, is going to be uh, bringing the Word of God next week. And so uh, we're happy that we can, that we can step in to, to uh, fill that time for David to have some rest. So, um, so this morning, um, this morning I wanted to talk about uh, light in the darkness light and the darkness. So I was going to start out with a little story. So if y'all please indulge me. Um, So when I was a kid, uh, my mom would take my sister and me on uh, long road trips. Uh, We were uh, kind of poor. Uh, We didn't have much money to take trips, but mom always tried to figure out some some way or somehow uh, that we could have uh, vacations. So uh, this particular time we headed down to Beaumont to visit a couple, uh, which were old friends of hers from long ago. And the couple had told mom that, well, when you guys come, y'all can just stay with us, you know, and we'll, we'll host you guys, because uh, they were those kinds of friends, life, lifelong friends. And so, uh, anyway, I, I loved them. Um, they were uh, a very funny, bubbly couple uh, with uh, big jokes and big stories. And um, for, so me and my sister would go, so I was seven at the time, my sister was 13, and they loved it when we came because all their kids were up and grown with families of their own. So it was nice to have kids in the house. Um, so uh, anyway, so we, we went and we stayed with them. So after dinner, we played, uh, played games, uh, heard the grown-ups share their stories. And at the end of the night, uh, you know, it was time to go to bed. So they showed us our different rooms. So as we're going through the house, uh, they were showing us the, the options. And for me, they actually offered me their son Steve's old room. Now, I'd never had my own room before. I always had to share a room with either one or two sisters over the course because I was the youngest of four. That explains it a lot, right? I'm the spoiled kid or whatever. Uh, but I had three older sisters, and so uh, space was limited in our house. And so this was a big deal for me to get to stay in a, in a guy's room, right? It had rock and roll posters on the wall and football memorabilia just scattered throughout the room, and it was awesome. But it was a massive room, so the, the bed was like, you walk in and the bed was like across the room, right? So turn out the lights, we all go to sleep. Well, inevitably, middle of the night, I got to use a bathroom. Kid's seven years old, I got to use a bathroom. And when I say it was dark, there was no light. There was no night lights. I, I think Steve had blackout curtains or something on the windows. I mean, I couldn't see anything. And as a child, I mean, you're doing things like opening your eyes even either to try to maybe suck in a little bit more light, but nothing was happening. So it was, it was absolutely dark. So there I was, seven years old. I was so frightened. I was laying in bed, and uh, I just didn't know what to do. 
so I thought, because obviously there's monsters under the bed too, so you got to deal with that too, you know, just if you're jumping over lava or whatever. Uh, but so I, uh, I started thinking, okay, well, I think the door is approximately there because this is a big room. And so I s- started slowly, slowly creeping across, you know, and uh, finally I was, I was thinking if I could just get to the wall close to the door, I'm, I'm good, you know, because then I can feel around. I hit a wall. I, it wasn't the wall, but I was, I was just groping and feeling. And then you start getting this panic because you're seven years old. You got to use a restroom. You're, you're groping along the wall, just, you know, palming the wall, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing. And so uh, that, was, that probably went on for like 15, 20 minutes or whatever. It was an eternity to a seven-year-old. And so, but I couldn't find it. And then I would like, I was knocking stuff off the walls, you know, and I was just like, oh man, what do I do? And do I call out? I don't, I, I want to be a big boy, you know, I mean, you're rationalizing all these things in your head as a seven-year-old. And so I thought, I don't know what to do. So I thought, well, I guess I'll just hold it till morning, you know. And so I thought, well, I'll just go back to bed. Where's the bed? I was all the way across the room. So I was like, oh, man. So I was like, you know, creeping around, just trying to find it. And finally made my way back to the bed, got in bed, and uh, pulled up the covers around my neck. And I just suffered till morning, right? So how many times have you been in a situation like that where you're in darkness, you're in utter darkness, and it seems like there's absolutely no way to help? that you can't help yourself, you're, you're groping around, you're trying to feel your own solutions, you know, you're just, or, you're, or you've lost one of your senses. I have, I have a really sweet friend of ours that she actually lost her sense of sight, her, that sense of sight for a season while she was pregnant. And so what, what do you do when you lose one of your senses or, or you can't help yourself? You're just praying for somebody, anybody to, to, to shine a light maybe and to turn on the light and to help you. Because, again, if somebody had flipped on the light, that's a game changer. You see, you walk straight to where you need to go and you, you fix it. But, but what happens when you're just in utter darkness? So anyway, today, uh, what I want to do is I wanna, uh, we're going to camp out in uh, John chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles with you today, uh, or if you need a Bible, we have uh, free Bibles over there in English, Spanish, and uh, probably a bilingual Bible there too. So but we're going to be in John chapter 9. And we're going to talk about this, about light in the darkness. And so um, I'm going to read the passage for us. It's John 9, uh, verses 1 through 11, okay? And so it says, as he, it means Jesus, so it's, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. And then he anointed the man's eyes with mud And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So as he went and washed, so he went and washed and came back seeing. 
The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is, not, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, it is he. And others says, nah, but he is like him. But he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and received my sight. So with that, dear Heavenly Father, we just pray that this morning that you just open our hearts to receive your message. Uh, we do just pray that you shine your life light into our lives and uh, the condition that we're in uh, so that we, we may see you, the true light. Um, dear Lord, we just uh, pray for you to um, just illuminate the scripture, just help us to receive uh, what you have for us today. Dear Lord, we, we uh, cling to your truth because your word is truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. So let's so let's uh, kind of go through this passage. There's, there's a lot of strange things we're, that were actually said in this passage. So in verse 2, um, so Jesus and his disciples are walking into the city, and the disciples ask this strange question. The question is, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So that question, I believe, comes from uh, a bad understanding of how sin is attributed to people. Uh, and, and it, honestly, it kind of came all the way back to uh, Exodus 20. Uh, around verse 5, it talks about, um, you know, how we're not supposed to put other, other gods before, uh, before the one true God, that we shouldn't worship idols, right? And so, so if we look in Exodus 20, verse 5, um, it says... You shall not bow down to them or serve them, these false gods. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Right? So it almost sounds like a generational sin, like if a father sins, that it somehow permeates and that the children are responsible for the sins of the father. And maybe even the grandchildren are, are responsible for the father and the grandfather's sins. So this has permeated through that culture so much so that there was a, a proverb that developed over time. So um, to kind of give context, context to the proverb, has anybody ever eaten something like really, really sour? like a warhead or I, don't, I forgot what those, they, they call those uh, sour candies and stuff. And it makes your teeth just kind of, right? I mean, it, it's called setting on edge, right? It sets your teeth on edge. Well, this proverb basically said the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, right? So what that means is like, so if the father sins, it's the children that have to deal with the responsibility of that sin, Okay, now I do want to take a small aside here and say this. Our sin affects each other. It really does, right? And so if, if, I'm, if, if I've done something bad in my life and it's out in the open, my kids would have to deal with the consequence of that. 
right? I may have done, uh, I may have done or uh, taken things that have um, altered our finances, that altered uh, my love relationship between me and my wife, and and your children are seeing that, right? And they're affected by that, but they're not responsible for that, okay? So this is something different than I'm talking about. This is talking about, uh, again, a father sins, and yet this, the child is being, uh, you know, in this proverb, is having to uh, pay the penalty for that sin, so I guess enough time had went by. I love that our God is slow to anger, but he does have a limit. And so let's go to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 18. Uh, it's actually kind of right in the middle of your Bible. If you hit Psalms, take a right turn and go past Jeremiah, and it's on the other side of that. It's in Ezekiel 18. Uh, but he, the, uh, God like stomps on this and just really approaches this. He says, the word of the Lord came to me. Ezekiel 18, 1 through 4. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel, that the father have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge? As I live, declares the Lord God, this proverb shall no more be used by you in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. The souls of the father, as well as the soul of the son, is mine. The soul who sins shall die. So there's a personal responsibility. It's the one who sinned that bears the personal responsibility of their, of their sin guilt on them, no one else, okay? And if, uh, if that wasn't emphatic enough, the Lord uh, goes through a litigation, but we're going to go to verse 20 that summarizes it. It says, again, the soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father. He's making it plain as day, just very clear. Nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. And so that brings us to our first point this morning, that each person, each person is responsible for their own sin. Each person is responsible for their own sin. And so, again, all of that came from they asked the question, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind, thinking that this was a, a punishment or a consequence of, of sin in either his life or, or someone else's life. And Jesus, uh, Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents. And then he said something very uh, interesting. He said, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So wait a second, am I getting this straight? That this man was made to be born blind so that at this point, right now, that he could bring glory to God. Well, let's see if that's consistent with Scripture. We always want for Scripture to validate Scripture, right? We don't want to take something just out of context. And, and so let's, let's see. Let's go back to, to Exodus. There is an account where uh, the Lord is saying this similar statement. So uh, Exodus 4 uh, let's look at verses 10 and 11. So Moses has just been called to be the mouthpiece of Israel. He's supposed to go before the Pharaoh and be strong and, and bold and, and uh, speak and, and lead his people out of Egypt. But he's a stutterer. He's got a speech impediment, right? 
And so he's complaining. The Lord's called him up. So the Lord knows that he's going to accomplish his will through Moses, but Moses is already starting to backpedal. So he says, uh, Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. And then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? So it's, so it's interesting to think about that, that Moses was made slow of speech so that the glory of God might be revealed through this person that doesn't speak very well, and now he's the leader, he's the mouthpiece, right? He did have Aaron, his brother, to help, but, but again, when, when people saw Moses, honestly, they regarded him as God himself. Not that he was God, but he was God's mouthpiece, speaking truth. This man was born blind for the glory of God. And so I tell you this morning, you may have some hang-ups about yourself, about something physical about yourself, maybe even something emotional about yourself. But I tell you today that you and I were made for the glory of God. You and I were made for the glory of God to be revealed in our life. Now, I do want to say a word here. So, I could easily, John Partain in the human flesh, could read this and say, oh, well, well, I have a proclivity to drink alcohol. So, God made me this way. So, you know what? I'm going to try to drink as much alcohol as I can. Right? But that's not what this means at all. It's not talking about our proclivities or our bent towards sin nature. Right? It's talking about how you're, how you're physically made in a way that's going to bring glory to God. And it would be consistent with Scripture. So uh, for God to reveal His power in your weakness. Okay? Well, even, even in that, so it, it, you're, like for me, uh, Jonathan Lethwich, our former pastor, said it. Uh, David Mathis has even in, uh, they've got their own Jewish proverb going on that uh, John Partain has the gift of awkwardness. Like a spiritual gift of awkwardness. I don't know what that means, but actually I do. Yeah, so uh, I'm a very awkward person. And so when you talk to me, uh, there are things or limited, you know, limitations uh, in the way that I speak, you know. And so I may chase like 15 squirrels and you're like, man, is he ever going to get back to this point? Kind of like the sermon. So, uh, but God made me this way, you know. And who am I to go back to the creator, which I do. Actually, I say this. It's like, God, why did you make me this way? How can you use a person like me for your glory? And he said, I made you this way for my glory. He made you this way for his glory. And so give your weaknesses to the Lord. Give those uh, insecurities to the Lord. And trust him in that, that he's going to use how he made you for his glory. Okay? So, um, so let's go, go back to uh, John 9. Let's look at uh, verse 4. John 9, verse 4. Uh, Jesus says, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no, no one can work. And as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So think about this. So 
later on, like in uh, chapter, chapter 14, Jesus promises uh, his disciples that to help this early, uh, uh, to help them in their walk, that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And we talked about that uh, and have talked about it in, in David's sermons too, about how the Holy Spirit, when he's in you, he helps you on so many levels. He reveals sin in your life so that you can uh, confess and get back in right relationship with the Lord. He, uh, you know, uh, bears witness to, to righteousness and to judgment, how, how Christ has already judged the evil one and uh, how he's put to death sin in your life, right? He helps you to interpret scripture and he also binds us together as a church. How if, if I'm not understanding scripture, I can go to Kelly and say, brother, we need to sit down and have some coffee and, and let's wrestle with the scripture together. You know, let's look at this. And, and Al, I, I need prayer for something. So can you help me wrestle with this in prayer? Because I know that you're a brother that doesn't just say, I'll pray for you, that you really pray for me. And so he's given the Holy Spirit to, to bind his church together. So, but right here, he's saying, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 12, in 35 and 36, somebody, uh, he, he responds this way when somebody asks him, well, who is the son of man? And so Jesus said to him, the light is among you for a little while longer. So walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. In John chapter 1, there's not a slide for this, but in John chapter 1, it says that Jesus was the life, was the light, and that that light was life to men, right? Or actually the other way around, that Jesus is the life, and that life was the light of men. And it said light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Right? When you... Uh, if you have a dark room and a light room, right, and you open the door, does darkness peel into the light room? No. Light penetrates the darkness. And the light of Christ can penetrate our darkness. So again, so he's telling them right then, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Another thing too is that he said, we must work the works of him who sent me, sent me while it is day. So what he was doing is during Jesus' time here, on earth. Um, so it's, it's approximated that he was about 33 years old when he was crucified, right? Or that's kind of a, a common, common theme. So, and that his ministry was really only about three years. So Christ was only here serving in that ministry for, for three years, uh, taking, taking aside the times when he was a kid that uh, we have that. Um, but he was only here for three years. And so while he was, he was performing these miracles, not to be showy, but so that the work of the Father would be displayed through the Son. Why? To be a testimony. To be a testimony. It said that no one can do these types of miracles without the help of God. And so now here's this uh, man, this Jesus, coming and he is performing miracles and the miracles themselves testify of the Father's work in the world. Okay, so, so just like giving this man his sight. So let's go back to uh, uh, John chapter 9, verse 6. 
So it said, having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. And then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. And so the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, it is he. And others said, nah, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes open? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And I went and I washed and I received my side. When you think about his testimony, testimony about what Jesus did in his life, it's not this big, long, extravagant thing, right? It's, it's very simple. Some of our testimonies are longer just because they involve a story of, of, of complication. They involve stories that have affected many, many people, right? But in its simplest form, it could be this. So, to where I went and washed and received my sight. So you can share what, what Jesus has, has done in your life already. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you probably have a lot of things that you can share. And not just your conversion story, but how even now you're walking with the Lord. With the help of the Holy Spirit. And how he's helping you through, through different trials. Or you could celebrate things that the Lord has, has helped you with. Or, but share with other people. Share with other people what the Lord has done for you. And again, it doesn't have to be extravagant. You don't have to worry about your words. It can be very simple. Something that I do need to say is that, again, this is talking about a time where the Holy Spirit wasn't here on the earth, right? Actually, Jesus even said later to his disciples, he was just confiding in me. He said, you know what? I know you're, you're holding on to me, but it's actually better if I go away from you. It's better that I go away from you because otherwise the, the helper won't come. But I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit, to help you. He's going to guide you into all truth. And again, he's going to help you in all those ways to, to be in right relationship um, with, with the Lord. Something in, uh, I think it's John uh, 16, but it actually says that the role of the Holy Spirit is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. Jesus says, he, meaning the Holy Spirit, brings glory to me. He's not saying that in a narcissistic way. He's trying to tell you that, again, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to bring glory to Christ. And so now that we think about that, he's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Our flesh doesn't want to give glory to anybody except ourselves. Our flesh is absolutely selfish, and it is me, 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 me all day long, right? But when the Lord gives us the Holy Spirit in our body, whoa, that's a game changer. That's a game changer because now we have this awkwardness. We have this thing in us that doesn't even really want glory anymore. Or the more that we get, it's, 
is so paltry and counterfeit that we're just like, you, you start hating compliments over time unless it's directed toward the Lord. And so with the Holy Spirit in you, his longing desire is to bring glory to Christ. And as he's changing you, you're like, okay, this is so strange. I don't even want credit for that thing. I want to give in secret. I want to pray in secret. I want to fast in secret. So only the Father knows what I'm doing. But also, too, Jesus said, you know, while he was here on, on the earth, he said, I am the light of the world. We just finished up, David just finished up the, um, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, right? And in, and in chapter 5, it, it starts with, you are, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth, right? And then he talks about how you're going to do these good works. Again, they're not going to come from you. You're going to do these good works. And people who see you will bring glory to God. They'll bring glory to the Father. And the strange thing is, is if you look, the Father gives his glory to the Son. So it all comes back to Jesus Christ. Right? We bring glory to the Father. The Father glorifies the Son. The Holy Spirit that lives in us brings glory to the Lord to where we just can't help it. Over time, as you become more like Christ, shaped and, and conformed into the image of his Son, uh, of the Son, Jesus Christ, you will just, you'll want to give glory to him. Years ago, if he had talked to me, ugh, it was insufferable. I was a walking resume. If you sat down and had a conversation with me, I would have told you about my job. I would have told you about my vehicle. I would have told you about the money that I made. I would have told you about everything about how, you know, I had built my own little kingdom. And it was all about me, 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 me. Right? But when the Lord started changing my life, it just seemed ridiculous to give glory to myself anymore. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I still celebrate those things just like it. I mean, we all do. But you notice when you talk to older Christians, not me, I'm pretty young, what, 51, that's, or at least I act young. Uh, but when you talk to older Christians that have been walking with the Lord for a while, it's just like they're so happy that they were a part of God's story. They were so happy that they were a part of, of what he had to do, and they want to bring glory to the Lord, not themselves. Glory to the Lord and not themselves. So... Um, so again, uh, share what Christ has done in your life with others. Share what Christ has done in your life with others. So um, I did not make slides on this last part, so y'all please forgive me. Uh, so I'm going to summarize uh, what happened. Uh, in, uh, if, if you're reading uh, with me in your Bible, it's uh, John 9, uh, starting in verse 13 through 34. And so it said, they, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. And now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and washed and I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, uh, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And so there was a division among them. And so they said again to the blind man, so what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? 
And again, this man said, he is a prophet. And by saying he's a prophet, he's recognizing that this gift came from God. Nowhere else. So, okay, this, this man hasn't even met Jesus yet. His testimony so far is a man called Jesus, right? Did something. It changed my life. And yet now he's getting this revelation. There's a lot being shown, in, shown into his life that he's a prophet. He recognizes that he's from God. So verse 18 says, the Jews didn't believe that he had been blind and, re- and received his sight. So they called the parents of the man in who received his sights. Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then uh, does he now see? So his parents answered, uh, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but you know, how, how he sees now, uh, we, don't, we don't know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. I don't know why I used Rick Spencer's voice right there, but I thought that it would be appropriate right there. So ask him, he is of age, uh, he will speak for himself. But they said this because they were afraid of the Jews. The Jews had said publicly that they were going to kick anybody out of the synagogue who declared that this Jesus was the Christ or the, or the Messiah. So they had already uh, you know, said that they were going to kick anybody out. So again, so that's why his parents uh, therefore said in, in uh, 23, he is of age, ask him. So his, his parents were afraid. His parents were afraid of what other people thought. His parents were afraid of what the Pharisees thought. They had the fear of man. Such a horrible thing. So uh, 24, it said, So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, and this is really twisted, they said, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Which is really strange. In the same breath they're saying, Give glory to God. But they're saying that Jesus is a sinner. So apparently they they really don't know. Uh, But he answered, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. But one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. It goes back to that simple testimony. There's power in your testimony. Nobody can take that from you. No one can change your testimony. It says in uh, Revelation 12 that we fight the devil with what? The blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Now, when we think about those two things, We didn't have any say over either one of those, right? The blood of the lamb. That was Jesus Christ giving himself for you. We had no power over that. We couldn't save ourselves. That's why he did it to begin with. The perfect Passover lamb sacrificing himself to cover our sins. So that if we believe in simple childlike faith, like really believe, that we might become children of God, right? And then the second part, the word of our testimony Again, it's about the Lord coming into our condition and Him doing the work, Him saving us. And again, if, if people combat you, and maybe you're not a Bible scholar, or maybe you just don't know the Word very well, this guy was just like, this man called Jesus. He, he, he just barely knew Him. This man called Jesus. He came into my life, and He did something. He changed me, and I am different. I was blind before, but now I see. I was in darkness, and now I'm in light. It's all about the Christ. He has the power to change lives. He has the power to, to heal and to save. So give, talking to the Pharisees, give glory to God. Absolutely, you give glory to God, right? Who's, who healed this man? So in uh, 26, they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And I guess the guy who used to be born blind was really irritated at this point because he kind of let him have it. 
said, he answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. So why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And, oh, that kind of pushed him over the edge a little bit. It said they reviled him, which means that they, like, cursed him out, and they were ready to fight, right? So it said, and they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. And the man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. Wow! You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes? We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. So again, this guy was, was blind all of his life, but he had enough to know, even through hearing or, or, or wherever he had been, that he knew a relationship with, with God when he saw one. Right? And now that his eyes are open, I think more than just his physical eyes are open, his spiritual eyes are open to the reality of Jesus Christ. It is a horrible thing to fall under the fear of man, to be afraid of what people think of you. Right? Or to try to put things out there to make you look good or whatever, or put, put in your best light. David really irritated me with this uh, sermon a few weeks ago where he said, you know what you should do is you should go to the back of the house, that nasty room that you usually clean the house toward, and you should take all that stuff and just stick it out on the front lawn. You should be open and honest with people and just put it out there. Be real. Be real, right? I forgot where I was going with that. I'm so sorry. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I really did forget where I was going to go with that. So, uh, But fear of the Lord, being more concerned with what the Lord thinks of you than anybody else. It said in the Psalms that the fear of the Lord is clean. To be more afraid of him and what he thinks and, and put his opinion above others, it's clean because it's, it's honest and it's easy to, to please the Lord. You're going to make a lot of enemies, a lot of enemies, but it's okay to please the Lord and to fear Him, it's freeing. I love how uh, last week uh, that David was talking about a man that builds his house on a rock and obeys the commandments of the Lord, that even though the storm comes up and is just beating on that house, how it's going to stand firm because it's based on the rock of Jesus Christ. Fear the Lord, you His saints. Fear the Lord, you his children. Don't worry about what people think about you if you're following Jesus Christ. Cling to the Lord. He's our life. He is our light. Cling to the Lord. Fear him only. So again, it just came to a big sit to. I mean, they, these guys were at it, at it, at it. And the man who had been born blind said in thir verse 32, Never since the world began has it, has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. He could do nothing. And so they were furious with him. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. They didn't know what to do with this guy. 
They just needed to get, get rid of him. But I love that he continues to give his same testimony and he does not change the truth. Even under intense pressure, he will not change. He will not deny the Christ. He is going to tell what Jesus did in his life. Again, talking about blindness, blindness I, think the, I think the Pharisees were spiritually blind. They couldn't see the wonder and the beauty of the Messiah right in front of them. Even though they had studied Scripture their whole life, but they did it for all the wrong reasons. They did it to glorify self and to raise themselves up, not to glorify Christ. There were some, you can tell, that there was a struggle. I'm not trying to cast all of them in that lot, but I'm just saying Jesus had so many things to say to the Pharisees, trying to bring them to the carpet, show them where their error was so that they might repent and live and come back to the Lord. So now we catch up with our slides. This, uh, this is in uh, John 9, uh, verses 35 through 38. So Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have seen him. And it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, Lord, I believe. I believe. And then what did he do? And then he worshiped him. He worshiped him. True worship comes from belief and relationship in Jesus Christ. True worship comes from belief and relationship in Jesus Christ. I've, I've been to church my whole life, and there were times that, yes, I can raise my hands, and yes, I can, I can act the part. Growing up with a little East Texas uh, mom, Mama, who uh, she loved Jesus, and, and uh, she took us to church all, all the time. And I could copy her prayers. I could fake being a Christian. I was an imposter. I was a poser, right? I could raise my hands. I could sing all the songs. But I didn't have what she had. I didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I was so worried about what you guys thought and what they all thought that I wanted to act like a Christian. I wanted to, I wanted to put it out there. And on the inside, I was, just, I was nasty. I was raggedy. I needed Jesus to shine his light into my darkness, to save me and to help me. His light in my darkness, not my light. My light is nothing and should be extinguished. But now with the Holy Spirit in this tether to the divine, I have the light of Jesus Christ in my life. And even though you see this teary mess in front of you, I want you to know, folks, that I have a joy that's beyond this place. It's a joy that's beyond the, the world. And for you that were walking with Jesus Christ, I know you have that same joy too. And for those that, that don't have that, I want you to know 
that you can believe in Jesus Christ. You can believe his words when he says something to you. If you're reading the Bible and you don't get it, find someone to disciple you. Find someone to sit down with you that you know that they believe in Jesus Christ and sit down and read the word with them. This is your life. This is your life. I appeal to you. Seek the Lord. The Lord is our living hope. The Lord is our living hope. Let's stand as we sing this last hymn. the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my living So great a mercy What heart could fathom Such boundless grace The God of ages Stepped down from glory To wear my sin And bear my shame The cross is spoken I am forgiven, the King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ, my living home. Oh, Death has lost its grip on me You have broken every chain There's salvation in your name Jesus Christ, my living hope Oh, hallelujah Praise the one who set me free Hallelujah Death has lost its grip on me Broken every chain, there's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Came the morning that sealed the promise, your buried body began to breathe. 
Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Then came the morning, then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me just that you are our living hope, that you are light in the darkness. Uh, you are the one who saves us, Lord. So we, we cling to you. We, we ask for your continued help throughout the week. Uh, dear Father, we just uh, we thank you for the work uh, that Jesus has done on the cross to provide a way for us to have salvation. And uh, we just pray that, uh, again, that we just uh, continue to pursue Christ and uh, for believers in Christ, now that we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, we just, uh, it, it's helpful for us to, it, that you're doing a work inside of us that's bigger than us, dear Lord. Dear Father, just uh, continue that work that you began. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, if, uh, if you have anything that you need to write to us, uh, there's communication cards in the back. Uh, if there are questions that you have about the sermon or just about the church in general, uh, please fill that out on the card as well. But anyway, have a, have a blessed day, church. Thank you so much.